Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is sponsored by Hero Power. Support clean energy at no extra cost. Go to myheropower.com and in less than two minutes, get Green E certified renewable energy certificates. They'll match 100% of your electricity use. Never pay more than ComEd rate. Your bill doesn't change. Your service doesn't change. Plus, get $25 off your first bill just for helping us fight climate change. Go to MyHeroPower.com. MyHeroPower.com. You know, Ben often jokes that I love the attic so much, and then I'm never going to want to leave. Here we are six minutes behind. Ben's eating toast. You're not going to want to leave. Oh, man. That toast was delicious, man. (laughs) This is who I got to work with today, guys. All right. How's Uh, it going? Peanut butter. Dang, was that good. Mm -mm. Hold on. Kill some more time. It's cool. Hey, look at the guy in the back alley, man. Who is it? I have no idea, but he's... Looks like... What's he drinking? I guess it's coffee. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) All right. No guy in the back alley jokes. No, yeah. Do the guy in the back alley jokes. Do better ones. They're hanging around the uh, outhouse. Did you notice that? (laughs) The the porta potty? Yeah, we got a great alley, folks. A porta potty. Two guys hanging around there. Where's the guy selling the reefer? (laughs) Well, I'm doing the show right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, have you ever noticed, everybody, that there's never a guy in the alley uh, selling reefer when Dennis is doing the show? I know. You ever notice there's a long line outside the alley while we do the show? It's like Trader Joe's, and they social distance. Six feet apart, everybody. Okay. <laughs> All right. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, May 5th. is just moments away. But before we do this, let's thank these unions for sponsoring this show. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9 are sponsors, as well as the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Thanks, unions. And of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of labor. Oh, I forgot. Today I said uh, we we're going to start doing requests. Uh, real quick, live stream chat. If you're listening, let's get a request in for a song of the day for Ben. Uh-oh. And uh, we'll do our song of the day. Ben, how you feeling today? You got his toast. He's ready. I'm you ready. got your notes. You're ready to talk politics? Yeah, it's the only problem. The same old problem. Can't read them. They were great when I was writing them. Now I can't read them. Is that, uh, wait, does, does anyone know a person who does that? Wait, just... Can we just check this scene out now? The guy is entering the porta potty. He's entering. Oh my God, there are people in the porta potty. Yeah, but th- he's having a conversation with the other dude with the doors open. Come on, fellow, a little privacy for crying out loud. I'm calling that uh, that snitch line that uh, Lori That is not put six up. feet. Lori. Not, no masks. Guy's holding coffee. <laughs> and the other dude's in the porta potty. <laughs> there literally is a big orange porta potty right outside. But hey, I wonder if they're listeners. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they won't be after this episode. Uh, Give us a song of the day, please. 
Uh, I read a story last night called Tri uh, Drive Your Car. So this is the song. Baby, you can drive my car. If you want to be a star. And baby, I love you. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah. All right. Oh, wow. Do you know that song? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't think anybody out there knows that song. It's an old song from the 60s. A car horn. Beep, sounded... beep, boom, beep, beep. Yeah. <laughs> That's my Ringo imitation. The Ben Jarofsky Show. Okay. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. Right. <laughs> it is Tuesday, May 5th. And live from Ben's house, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's the return of our Chicago Reader colleague and Ben Jarofsky's co-host of First Tuesdays, Maya Duke Masaba. And hey, maybe those fellers from the Porta Potty will join us. <laughs> Now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Pritzker Protesters Tuesday, and here's why. Good week. You have a good weekend, D? No. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, at least you were definitive about it. Hey, everybody, let's take up a contribution and help D out. We got to get him back on Netflix, okay? He's not on Netflix. There's a lot of good shows he's missing. <laughs> So let's help out, all right? You like that, D? Let's oh. get a contribution. Help to get this yeah, guy back. On the list of things I need in life for people to help out, Netflix <laughs> is the thing. Uh, well, you know. Yes, you that's know. what it is. <laughs> it's the little things in life. Or well, you could do that like, thing where you go, what is it, like six weeks you get? Well, just try it out for a month. Is it a month? Yeah, I just create new emails, and then I get a Netflix account for free for a month. <laughs> for one month. That'll get you through a few episodes of Shit's Creek. We'll get into Shit's Creek in a little while. That's my know. Father says, cheat him in hell. <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to, what is he going to say? If you're scared, go to church. If you're scared, go to church is another one, uh, uh, my father says. Uh, anyway, what I do, I saw the host, great flick. Uh, I saw. I wrote about it for the reader, but I just want to say this. The host? It, yeah. It's, okay, uh, you got to put the T flick. on that. It sounds a little. <laughs> okay, no, you got to get that head out of the gutter. I clearly said the host. Anyway, the host, great uh, sci-fi flick. Uh, about a giant monster in the Han River in Seoul that comes out, snatches people. And oh. I know it's great flick. I know it sounds weird, but great flick. Loved it a lot. Oh, here's the big problem with it. Dubbing, D. I got this thing about dubbing. Dubbing is terrible. It's, the 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 language of the actors is Korean, so they're speaking in Korean. Uh, but instead of just giving you subtitles so you can hear the actual voices of the actors, they do that hokey dubbing thing. Ah, with, with, I like hate the old dubbing. kung fu movies. Yes. Oh, my God. Or Godzilla. So it's like you see their lips moving, but when it coming out of the lips bears no resemblance to what the lips are doing. Right. That in itself is a little disconcerting. But on top of that... Where do they get these dubbing at? Well, you and I could do a better job. You, me, and Mark Sims should would do a better job of dubbing than anybody they have to do. Are oh, we about to get in the dubbing industry? I love to. Man, these guys are like, there is a monster over. I mean, they're terrible. Come on. Anyway, but it was a great flick. Having said all that, the dubbing sucks. It was a great flick. Watched a couple more episodes of Shit Creek. I will now do my Moira imitation. Moira is a Catherine O'Hara's, uh, the, the, the part played by Catherine O'Hara, the wife, she's so good. She goes, take that knife out of my back and plunge it through my heart. And then uh, Daniel goes, okay, okay. 
I actually do a better Daniel imitation than Moira. Daniel's the son. Okay. Okay. I've been going around. Okay. Okay. Love Shits Creek. Can't watch enough of it. Oh, do that son again? That Your impression of the son? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Take that knife okay. out of my back and plunge it through my heart. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Love Daniel. Uh, so uh, episodes five and six of... Uh, the uh, last dance, but as one of our listeners said, I'm not allowed to talk about sports uh, on the show, so I won't talk about it. Uh, Good. Oh, Dennis, did I tell you that my wife has a baked Alaska downstairs? A what? Yeah, <laughs> baked Alaska. You're go. kidding me. I don't know what that is. Yeah, go take a look at it. Oh, I wonder what a baked Alaska is. Is it the state? All right, there he's gone. Good. Let me just say this: there was one funny bit in this where Jerry Seinfeld makes an appearance. I don't know if you guys saw it. Jerry Seinfeld shows up in the Bulls locker room. You know how celebrities talk to other celebrities? Hi, Michael. Hi, Jerry. They don't even know each other, but you know, I mean, you know me because I'm super famous, and I know you because you're super famous. So we're gonna pretend like we know each other. Uh, and then there's like this awkward moment where Jerry Seinfeld stands in the Bulls locker room. They're about to, you know, get together, have a team meeting, and is it a cake? <laughs> Yes. Yeah, no, it's it's right next to the cake. I'm not talking to you, man. <laughs> is it a cake? Okay. So so anyway, so as Jerry Seinfeld's walking out of the um the Bulls dressing room, he sees some play that Phil Jackson has diagrammed uh, on the blackboard, and he says, "Oh, that won't work." I thought, folks, I thought that was a a very funny line, just totally improv. Oh, that won't work. Just and then he says, "Just get the ball to Michael." And you know, can I just say this? All that mumble jumble about Phil Jackson, the great genius, the brilliant triangle. He's designed an offense that nobody can figure. No, you know what? Push come to shove. It was get the ball to Michael and get out of the way. So anyway, I love that line. Oh, you're back, D. Hey, what's up? I was just talking about monetary policy. I don't know what a big Alaska is still. <laughs> There's nothing down there. Oh, well, enough on the monetary policy for this week. Next week, I'll probably at this time. I'll have more discussion. The Euro, D. Okay? Don't forget the Euro, all right? Okay, the Euro. Cool. Hey, I got a new band name. Baked Alaska. <laughs> Let's start that band. Okay, talk to Mick Fansler about that. Anyway, what else? Oh, there is an article in the New York Times about Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett, of course, is the great oracle. The oracle of Omaha, they call him. Uh, he's like 80 years old now. He's the investor who is just makes tons of money. And then once a year, he has this gathering in Omaha. Uh, where all these uh, mon- you know, money-making geeks show up and they sit at his feet looking up and with wor- worshipful eyes as he makes pronouncements along the lines of, uh, you can maybe make money or you might lose money. You know, like, They're like, whoa, that's so deep, man. Yes, you're going to make money unless you don't. Oh, thank you, Warren. Uh, so anyway, there was an article. The New York Times guy writes him every, what's his name? I'll give him credit. Hold on, D. going to give the guy credit. Every year he goes to the, they call it the, hold on, where is it? Oh, there we go. Oh, yeah, Woodstock for Capitalists. Every year, uh, this guy, Andrew Ross Sorkin is his name. He's a columnist for the New York Times. He goes there and worships at the feet of Warren Buffett. Here's his uh, great quote. of This is pretty much um, sums up this year's uh, Woodstock gather. Although they did it, um, they did it over the, uh, uh, the internet. No, they didn't, everybody didn't go to Omaha, right? Uh, 
It's a virtual uh, Woodstock gathering. Here we go. Quote, you can bet on America, but you kind of have to be careful about how you bet simply because markets can do anything. Whoa. Hey, D, huh? There's a great. Uh, it's like Kenny Rogers. Let's just have Kenny Rogers show up. You got a new window, window, no window foe. Anyway, oh, great, um, great message from uh, Warren Buffett, who, who's like the rest of us, has absolutely no idea uh, how this COVID nineteen is going to play out and affect uh, the marketplace. What else? I want to give three cheers to Tim Bray. This story broke over the weekend. At least uh, Ed Maher sent it to me. I want to thank Big Eddie. Uh, usually I send my guests articles that they have to read as homework assignments. Ed Maher, who comes on the show uh, once a month, sent me this article to read. So thank you. It was really interesting. I'm glad I saw it. Uh, Tim Bray, he's the Amazon vice president, <clears throat> excuse me, who quit Amazon. <clears throat> excuse me, uh, in protest. Uh, Amazon had been firing whistleblowers who were making noise about warehouse employees frightened of COVID-19. And um, this guy, Tim Bray, called it chicken shit. I'm allowed to say that, D, chicken shit. And that is a perfect word for it. Chicken shit move by Amazon, the wealthiest company in the world, firing workers uh, who are uh, raising concerns about the safety hazard, the safety conditions in uh, Amazon warehouse. Total chicken shit move. And I'd just like to say this uh, to Jeff Bezos, uh, who owns Amazon and is the world's richest man, and uh, will probably never uh, give any money to the Ben Jarofsky show. Uh, well, he probably wasn't going to give any money for it to be anyway, D. Remember uh, how many columns did I write blasting the city of Chicago for offering him $2 billion? Or, yeah, I'm sure it's a problem you've been dealing with for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> uh oh, getting in trouble with that big mouth of mine. Anyway, Jeff Bezos, uh, you own a newspaper. You own the Washington Post. You're not supposed to fire whistleblowers. You're supposed to embrace them. Whistleblowers are how people get information, more often than not, that essential information that they need to know how the world's really working. You don't fire them. You celebrate them. Uh, Tim Bray went on to say that the firings, quote, are designed to create a climate of fear. Climate of fear, yeah. Just what we need more in the age of COVID, more fear. So, um, well, D, I think we sacrificed the Jeff Bezos interview that I know you are working very hard to get. But uh, two, uh, three cheers to Tim Bray from Amazon for standing up, taking a stand. And finally, there were the protesters in the Thompson Center. Uh, there's the ones who were hating on Pritzker. We talked about they were they gathered on Friday, D. We talked about a little bit about them last week. They're the, our local version of Operation Gridlock. The protesters in Michigan, uh, the protesters in Wisconsin. There's, there's protests going uh, throughout the, con uh, the throughout the country. They're targeted at governors who have their states on lockdown. Uh, the protesters want to open up the economies. Uh, they're really uh, just frustrated, and uh, I, of course, believe that they're all purely creations of the Trump uh, campaign, that they're intended to put the pressure on governors, particularly Democratic governors, so that they have a, somebody to blame, a scapegoat to blame if we ever get out of this COVID-19 uh, crisis and we're facing suddenly a huge recession or depression, well, they could blame the governors as opposed uh, to blaming Donald Trump. So they serve a very important political purpose uh, to Donald Trump's reelection campaign. Anyway, uh, the the bunch here in uh, the Thompson Center, they had their rally on Friday while we were on the show. Uh, they say they want to get back to work. Now, D, I'm going to say something right now. 
already got in trouble with uh, Jeff Bezos. I'm going to say something that's going to get me in trouble with the MAGA hat crowd. So <clears throat> uh, to paraphrase the great uh, George Carlin, you ever notice how protesters uh, at go back to work rallies are people who probably didn't have a job to begin with? I'm just saying. They sure have an awful lot of time on their hands to go to protest. Now, I know what you're going to say. Ben, be fair. The reason they're protesting is they had jobs, but they lost their jobs because Governor Pritzker shut down the state. That's what you're going to say, right, D? All right. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Uh, well, I'm just saying. You're sharp you, today. You know, <laughs> you know, that's very okay if you say so. But here's the thing. They're protesters. They're in a very public place they're in a public plaza in downtown chicago they're surrounded by media there's cameramen filming them there's photographers taking pictures of them there's reporters interviewing them generally at a distance why are they holding signs with swastikas on them why are they holding signs with nazi slogans on them i mean think about this if you're out of work and you want to win over potential employers once we're back at work, do you think it's actually a good idea to be seen walking around with a sign with a swastika on it? With a sign with a Nazi slogan on it? Arbeit macht frei? Which was the words that were over uh, the fence leading into Auschwitz, a death camp? You think that's like a good idea? to win over employers, you know, uh, employer in the, in the interview. So, uh, you got any hobbies? And then the, yeah, I'm the guy uh, with the swastika sign at the protest rallies, uh, protesting Pritzker, who by the way is Jewish. So it's really on top of everything else, hugely offensive that you would direct this sign to Pritzker and really shows some questionable uh, judgment on the part of the protesters so you know i i'm just wondering i got a feeling that these are people who are not used to have to going into job interviews dave just saying they're saying please governor pritzker no they don't say please we demand that you governor pritzker open up the workplace so we can go back to work oh, I'm not sure you're going to get a lot of jobs with nazi signs Meanwhile, not one word from Republicans. Oh, they're up in arms about Pritzker. You know, Pritzker's trying to protect the public from uh, COVID-19. But they're too chicken to take a strong stance against the protesters with the Nazi signs. There's a great word for this, D. What is that word? Chicken shit. That's what it is. Republicans, you're chicken shit. We got a great show today. Wow. Yeah, man. I can, I'm feeling it, Dick. Drowsy's packing a punch this afternoon, on, huh? Man, those Whoa. By the way, I wasn't the only one. You know who else ripped them a good one? Hold on, D. Sunday's column. You know what? I've been meaning to give this guy a shout out. I haven't. Uh, he really has done a great job. And now I can't find it as soon. Rich Miller. Where is it? Rich, ah, Rich Miller column in the in the Sun-Times. Oh, the meanest Illinois political bulldog in the yard. <laughs> 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 Rich Miller uh, writes ca Capital Facts. Uh, he's a political junkie from Springfield. He probably knows more about state politics than anyone not named Michael Madigan, as I like to say. And uh, so he also writes a column that appears Sunday in the Sun-Times. 
And uh, this is interesting. He, uh, he he goes after both sides, ladies and gentlemen. He does. He goes after Democrats and Republicans. But uh, he goes. Uh, so he's, he's, he's talking about how out of touch the Republicans are in Illinois with their lawsuits challenging Pritzker's right uh, to close down the state. Showing that he, he points out that the polls show that the overwhelming majority of people in the state favor uh, a stay-at-home order and that uh, it's even higher in suburban swing district areas that the Republicans absolutely need if they're going to pick up houses in the state house or st- Senate seats uh, or even, well, they're probably not going to win Illinois for uh, Trump, but these are the type of voters that uh, Republicans need uh, to win over if they're going to win Wisconsin and Michigan, etc. cetera. Uh, so anyway, uh, the, the Republican Party has uh, linked itself to the protesters who fly... Uh, who wave Nazi signs and uh, Nazi slogans uh, and harass Pritzker. And so uh, he asked, and, and file lawsuits, let's not forget the lawsuits against Pritzker. So Rich Miller, uh, quote, he asked House Republican leader Jim Durk- Durkin's spokesperson if Durkin supports or opposes the anti-Pritzker lawsuits. And uh, the spokesperson responded, Leader Durkin is not planning on filing any lawsuits. And as a firm believer in the judiciary system, he will follow the court's decision on the important issues, end of quote. And that to which Rich Miller writes, not exactly a profile in courage there. Absolutely. Understatement of the year. Too chicken shit to take a stand. All right, D, what do you got for me? I know you got plenty of political news. How's it going, guys? I'm not a doctor. Show of hands. Who's lost their minds by now, huh? Oh, and hey, also, quick show of hands. Uh, who likes that uh, Ben talks about the Bulls bit we've been doing, huh? That's pretty good. <laughs> Wait. You don't know about it, D, because you're out of the room. Duh. My name's D. Duh. <laughs> Take the knife out of my back and plunge it through my head. By the way, a little okay. behind the scenes note here. Okay. Uh, if today's barely pre-show meeting is any indication, listeners get ready for about six months of uh, Shit's Creek references <laughs> on the program. That's correct. I know I'm only in season two and I got three more Holy to go. Holy cow. Actually, and then I'm in trouble, D, because I'm like you. I don't have access to whatever channel it is, whatever network it is as season six. So I just get to watch the next three seasons. All right, everybody. Before we find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. Yeah, murder hornets, whatever. Bring it. Uh, We need to talk about what went down over the weekend. We're not playing games. We mean business. And we are going to shut this down one way or the other. The time for educating people into compliance is over. Don't be stupid. We're now in month two of our Illinois stay-at-home order. And, well, more people are getting antsy to get out there. Spring has sprung. And for some, staying home and saving lives is getting more difficult by the day. Want proof? Okay, I got it. The following comes from CBS Chicago. Mayor Lightfoot and Chicago police said Saturday that the city will not hesitate to make arrests during parties as the coronavirus pandemic moves on. Yes, newly appointed Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown said that officers have learned of six parties planned for Saturday night after, quote, parties were all over the city on Friday. House party gate continues, Ben (laughs) Jarofsky. Yes, arresting and jailing people who really did nothing illegal, while at the same time releasing jailed people who did something illegal. CPD said no arrests were made, though. 
but they were dispersed. Uh, we have more quotes from our new superintendent, Mr. Brown. He said, quote, we are aware of six parties tonight. Non-compliant will result in citations, fines, and arrests. We have more audio uh, from the mayor's press conference on Saturday. She was near Springfield and Adams after police learned of a planned party nearby on Saturday. Uh, like I said, this happened over the weekend, so we got to cover it before we move on to the news of the week. Like to hear it? Here it go. Lori Lightfoot, take it away. We will shut you down. We will cite you. And if we need to, we will arrest you and we will take you to jail. Okay, that's definitely what I call a mixed message. We've been discussing mixed messages uh, for the last two months. And, yeah, listen, I share uh, Mayor Lightfoot's frustration with people who so blatantly violate the uh, social distancing policy that is absolutely necessary to protect us uh, in the middle of this uh, virus. But uh, this is something I talk about with Dennis all the time. We're usually off the air. I'm like, why... You're letting people out of jail, okay? Because it's dangerous in the jail. We're gonna have Maya talking about how dangerous it's in the jail, but now you're gonna put people in jail. That's <laughs> like I thought the whole point is to have social distancing so we contain the disease. Why would you take people and put them in jail where they're more likely to get the coronavirus? Oh, I get it. You're, you're saying, I'm really mad at you because you had this party, I understand this, where people could pick up the virus and spread it. So to punish you, what we're going to do is we're going to take you to the one place in Chicago where there is even a greater likelihood that you would get the virus, a jail, so that you could get the virus, and then we're going to let you out so you can spread it. I would say that's a mixed message. Again, I under I'm, I understand Lori Lightfoot's frustration. I I. I appreciate that. I'm frustrated too. I'm starting second month in the attic. I got it relatively good. I tell you this to D all the time. D, we got it pretty good. At least, you know, we have our health, touch wood, right? And uh, we haven't caught the virus, at least that we know. Uh, so, you know, we have it relatively good. Uh, but I don't know. I, it is freaking crazy out there. And when I hear Lori Lightfoot threatening to throw people in jail because what? They're not properly social distancing them in the name of contain taking policies that contain the virus. She's going to enact policies that may help spread the virus. So I think she's letting her frustration just get a little ahead of her. There's other ways. I mean, you know, tow cars, give people fines. I mean, there's other ways aside from throwing them into jail. Just saying <laughs> mixed message time. So many mixed messages in the middle of this pandemic. Yeah, it's uh, starting to, uh, we're back into our, ourselves into an awkward corner at the moment, but uh, we have more from Lightfoot. When you go out and party, when you go home to your mama, your grandma, or anybody in your household who has an underlying medical condition, you are bringing death to their doorstep. Listen, again, I, I share her frustration, but if you put her in, put somebody in jail where they might get the virus and they let them out, they could still infect their mother or their grandmother, you know, or any relative. So just the, the whole jail aspect of this, I'm not really feeling the. Well, and I think, you know, just uh, the thought of having 100% every single person in the city of Chicago to comply with something that's not a law, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, uh, you're going to have that, right? Well, there is. You're gonna ha that's going to yeah. happen regardless, right? So... 
Yeah, there there is the reality. There's uh, going to be people that do that. I'm I'm going to say this here. I'll give me a trouble. Man, I got in trouble with Bezos. I got in trouble with the MAGA hat crowd. Now I'm just going to get in trouble with Chicagoans in general. <laughs> you know, not everyone in Chicago is really smart going to do the right thing. You know, D, I hate to say it. You know what I mean? I like Chicagoans as much as the next person I've chosen to live in this city. But not everybody's the brightest bulb around, okay? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Did, are you going to delve into uh, House Party too? Oh, great pre-show planning on the Ben Jarofsky show. <laughs> hey, you kept the, talking about Shit's Creek the entire time. And while I went, oh, this toast. D, this toast. Did you try the toast? Yes. <laughs> he was wolfing the You should have seen him eating all oh, this toast. Is yeah, I knew we had a show to do, so I ate it as fast as possible. Oh, goody two shows. Oh, Ben, we have a show to do. Oh, Ben was about to write his next column <laughs> on that damn toast. Uh, anyway, are you going to talk about House Party? No, I don't have anything on uh, House Party Gate. Uh, House Party Gate, uh, sometimes I think it's the third or fourth article they've had. They're really covering this thing well. There was a house party uh, at a, a home in Galewood. And it's now turning into like a reality television show where the son is fighting with the mother. Uh, and their, their fight is taking place uh, on the pages of the Sun-Times. Uh, on one hand, it's, it's not funny. On the other hand, it's kind of funny anyway the son who had the party was blaming the police all right he said in the latest uh, version of house party gate here we go god i can't believe i actually turned to it d i turned to the right page that never happens um and he read his handwriting today guys we're on a roll i know life is good here in the attic all right he goes he blamed the police he quote, quote this is the gentleman who threw the party so he's at his mother's house. He doesn't live there, but he has a key to the house. He used that key to get into the house, throw the party. All right. The, the mother works for the city of Chicago. Uh, and uh, so she works at the fire department. She's sort of a high-ranking official there. So her name's splashed all over the newspaper. She didn't do anything other than let her son have a key uh, to, you know, so she, you should do that, right? You have an emergency key you give to your relative. Anyway, he goes, so uh, the police told us, get everyone out of the premises because it was loud. They didn't tell us, hey, you can't do this here. You can't have these many people in the house. They didn't tell me that. They didn't mention the pandemic. They just said it was loud. It got out of hand and my neighbors ended up calling. All right. I don't know where to be. What, you need the police to tell you we're in the middle of a pandemic? First of all, some people at the party are wearing masks. Did you wonder why your some of your party-going friends are wearing masks? People just show up with masks. You're throwing a party. Go, oh, I like that. Is that a new style that people are wearing? I don't know. In New York, now it's spreading to Chicago. You know what I mean? Did you ever wonder? That's what. The, actually, I stole this line from Dennis. He made me say it, but he's true. Not everybody in Chicago can't depend on everyone in the world and in Chicago. Chicago being part of the world. To be really, how did you put it, D? Bright? I don't know. <laughs> he said it a lot worse. Oh, but no, he, I know. I, I'll, I just, I said for this plan to go 100% as prepared, <laughs> you need people, everyone, to not be an idiot. And that's going to happen. Yeah. I so just, what are you going to do? Arrest people for something they didn't, they didn't do anything illegal. I, They're just, that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't know. Just to blame it on the police. Police get blamed for a lot of things. In many, many cases, it's their fault. But in this case, I'm sorry. Why didn't you ask the guy at your party with the mask? Hey, why are you wearing a mask? If you were unaware that we're in the middle of a pandemic, if you're unaware that we're, we're in an outbreak, uh, listen, you know what? I don't want to pick on them because it's, how about the people in New Jersey? Oh, the Blue Angels are flying. Let's go out and look at the Blue Angels. <laughs> uh, the, everybody's got their theories like, well, the, Ben, 
the Blue Angels are flying to celebrate frontline workers. They're angels. They're going to protect us. They're going to. You can't get COVID nineteen if you're celebrating frontline workers. Duh! Didn't know that. <laughs> okay. Doesn't transmit from person to angel. Uh, you know, and the funeral for the rabbi uh, in New York. Remember that one? Well, he died of COVID nineteen, so we can't get it because we're celebrating his life. So. I mean, there's a lot of stupidity everywhere, all right? It's not just at the party in Galewood. There's a lot of it out there. It's very frustrating. I understand why Lori Lightfoot would be frustrated. I truly do. When you, the, gotta, you gotta, like, break a law. You just can't be an idiot and get arrested. Hey, what's two plus two? Six. Get in jail! <laughs> that was your Brian Regan imitation. Did you know that? Kind of. You just did Regan, Okay. <laughs> Uh, by the way, did you understand, did you get the George Carlin reference I made to the protesters? Yeah, I like how you cleaned it up. Yeah. <laughs> I love George Carlin anyway. The protesters <laughs> out there protesting to get, let us get back to work, are the kind of people who wouldn't have a job in the first place. Anyway, so yes, uh, I, I want to uh, say that uh, the, the guy who threw the party in Galewood, come on, you got to come up with a better, blaming the police? Come on, you could do better than that than blame the police. What, what should he have said? I'm a complete idiot. I mean, what? That's not going to happen. I mean, you threw a party in your mother's house. She is a, works for the fire department in the middle of a pandemic that we're supposed to be protecting ourselves by social distancing. So you didn't know we're in a pandemic? You know what I'm saying, D? All right. You didn't ask the guy who showed up at your house with the mask why he's wearing a mask? I still don't understand what that guy's doing at the party. Oh, no, the he's like the Blue Angel. Oh, the, the angels will protect us. When you, you can't get COVID-19 if you're watching airplanes flying to celebrate frontline work. You didn't know about that? You didn't know about Yeah, D, it, you're, 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 this whole thing is sort of contingent on people using their heads and i mean we got protesters in downtown chicago waving nazi signs and swastikas so there's always an element you know what i'm saying d there's always an element so i understand Lori lightfoot's frustration i'm just saying mayor lightfoot i don't think arresting people in the middle of a pandemic when you're really you're releasing people from jail because that's where covid 19 is spreading i don't think that's a good idea all right, we have more Lightfoot news to discuss. Uh, but before we get into that, I just got to ask, let's uh, let's move forward. Let's go a few years forward here, Ben, and look ahead. Uh, and uh, 2023 would be the next mayoral election, right? Uh, hold on, let me do the math. Yes. Okay. Good, how did you know that? <laughs> I can do math, too. <sighs> Tell you what, those teachers in Alton taught this guy a thing or two. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go into that year. Uh, so what are the what are the campaign optics on something like this running as mayor uh, for re-election? We will shut you down. We will cite you. And if we need to, we will arrest you and we will take you to jail. <laughs> I could see someone running against Lori Lightfoot for mayor using that uh, quite a bit well, uh, moving into the 2023 election. I, I can tell you, people in the north side of Chicago, L-O-V. E, Lori Lightfoot, okay? They love her. So she may be the one using that as uh, her campaign appeal. I'm just saying, D, they love her in the North Side. Remember, I got in all kinds of trouble about a haircut. Remember that? 
Oh, yeah. oh man, I get in trouble with Jeff Bezos. I get in trouble with the mega hat crowd. Got fired for my big mouth with tips, you know. And but here in the North Side, man, Lori Lightfoot does let her have a haircut, Ben. There's more important things to talk about. Talk about a mixed message. So I actually think that uh, would help her, at least on the north side of Chicago. People love her on the north side of Chicago. All right, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot is ready to roll the dice on a casino. The following comes from Illinois Politico, by the way. A casino. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> mixed message. <laughs> hey, once this is all over, we got to gamble. <laughs> we got we to... Gotta, we got to, oh, I'm sorry. Let me get this. You go back to reading it, but just the thought of a casino. All right. Anyway, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take hundreds and hundreds of people from all over the country. We're going to stick them in one room, you know what I'm saying? Where they could just be really right next to each other sweating. And if you shoot craps, everybody gets their own dice. Yeah, everybody's going to touch the cards. <laughs> get your own dice. There we go. <laughs> That's kind of, well, it's, Anyway, I'll let you get back to your story, but you just said the casino. Okay, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot is ready to roll the dice on a casino, and state lawmakers as well as Governor J.B. Pritzker are in support. But like so many projects these days, the legislation to get that ball rolling is in a holding pattern as lawmakers figure out how much federal funding might come to Illinois to offset costs of the coronavirus. Uh, and those federal funds would affect how big a revenue gap the state budget is facing, setting up the stakes for a casino bill. Uh, let's see here. We have some quotes from the Chicago mayor, Lori Lightfoot. She said, quote, we are in regular conversations with the governor and the legislative leaders and others to understand what options they're looking at to fill the budget hole created at the state level and, of course, advocating for both uh, a Chicago casino and no cuts to the local government fund. We're also concerned about what other revenue-raising ideas that folks in Springfield are thinking about. Pritzker said on Monday that he, quote, favored getting that done. He was asked about the casino. He said it's the right thing to do. It may be difficult to do in the next month, and it depends on when the legislature gets together. The governor said the safety of lawmakers and their staffs will be easier to accommodate once more testing, tracing, and treatments are done on the coronavirus. House Minority Leader Jim Durkin supports the casino bill and, quote, so do a number of Democrats, Pritzker said. So I would hope that we'd be able to get that done sometime during the year. Let's just pause it right here. I'm glad that we're thinking about uh, everybody just uh, going into a casino uh, at this moment. Ben, your thoughts? All right. Well, I already you know, I just erupted with some a few of them when you started reading that. I had not seen that story. That must that just must have broken, huh? Over the the wires. Let me just so off the top of my head, I would say this. Uh, first of all, I suppose I'm now reconsidering everything. Damn, calm down from my initial outburst. All right. Just now I'm <laughs> rethinking things. Yes, it's prudent that you look ahead. Right? Looking ahead, life will continue one day after this COVID-19. So uh, there may be a time when we uh, are not like stuck in the attic looking at the porta potty and uh, the brown line, et cetera, and we'll be back to work. It doesn't seem like it's going to happen anytime soon. So it's showing a lot of optimism and faith uh, in our ability to conquer this disease. But the notion of a casino right now is extremely ludicrous. Uh, as I pointed out, the idea that people would be congregating uh, in one giant room, uh, just shoulder to shoulder, you know, you're condemning those partygoers uh, on the West Side for doing it right now. Uh, at the same time, we're anticipating what? I don't know, a year from now, we're going to be able to do that. So it's showing a little faith. 
uh, in our ability to escape this uh, this pandemic. So, you know, on one hand, I, hats off to them. I've got tremendous mixed uh, thoughts uh, about a casino. I've talked about this in the old days before we we before we entered the pandemic. This is a big issue. Uh, if you a casino is of course a way of soaking the people who can least afford uh, to pay it, uh, turning to them to fund government and using it, the, gambling is a, an addiction. And by the way, that was also in the Jordan show. And I could talk about this, D, without sending you to look at the baked, baked Alaska. Did Michael Jordan have a gambling problem? They kind of analyzed that. You know, it was, it was, listen, I love the Bulls series to death. And by the way, we'll be talking about it with Stacey Davis Gates tomorrow. Uh, we have our weekly Last Dance segment. SDG uh, will be uh, here. Uh, not literally here, but over the phone with us. Uh, she's a huge basketball fan. Came of age in the 90s when the Bulls were making her run. If anybody follows her on Facebook or Twitter, knows that she's obsessively following this but uh anyway so we'll be talking about but you know they just they they love michael jordan to death on that show and it's you know he was one of the producers or his his uh, colleagues his associates were producers of the show so it's not going to be a really hard-hitting look at michael jordan but there was that uh, moment in the night in 1993 we're in the middle of the um, bulls championship playoffs against the uh no uh it was against the Knicks, so it was it was not in the champion in the finals anyway jordan went and his dad went to a casino in atlantic city or gambling until like you know midnight or one in the morning or something like that so the issue is does he have a problem and he was saying no i don't have a problem and that generally the filmmakers are saying he doesn't have a problem but the reality is this is that uh, most people are not billionaires like michael jordan and so they can't write off checks just that simply when they roll up uh, debts of uh, gambling debts of like a thousand two thousand five thousand dollars as jordan did uh, in the, the uh, they showed in the movie so it's uh it's a way of soaking people who can at least uh, afford to uh, lose the money uh, to pay our bills and i have hesitant hesitancy about that in addition we have the other problem where the people who run the uh, casinos uh, say said that the formula that the state approved back in whenever it was that they passed gambling uh, is not favorable uh, to them and that they have to uh, redo the formula so someone's going to take a hit if you're going to give more of the pot to the person running the casino either the city or the state is going to take a hit uh so more negotiating over that so who's it going to be the state or the city uh, i got a feeling the state's not going to agree to it so it looks like chicago is going to take a hit so we're not going to bring in as much money so i had that problem which is still lingering but d i don't know it's just it is a mixed message at this point in time to talk about a casino i even if they uh figure out a way to get around that the issue of who's going to get what i can't see a casino coming online for a while you know they're talking about a second wave of this thing in september right you know when will i see my grandma again i don't know but you're going to be able to gamble next year man all right we got you covered on that but my grandma on one hand you know the mayor's out there god, god you're gonna give it to your grandmother on the other hand, well, we're going to have the casino. You got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Okay? The Kenny Rogers Casino. All right, man. By All the way, right. are you going to be talking about grades? We didn't do any uh, pre-show prep on this. <laughs> uh, you do, is, is that on your news thing? No, I don't All have right, the we'll gra- get to that later. Because you told me during the pre-show meeting, yo, D, man, I'm going to cover grades. <laughs> okay, cool. So I won't cover that. And now here we are. I, I the show's like, But hey, you got your peanut butter toast or oh, whatever. Hey. I'll make fun of that peanut butter. I'm not making fun of the toast. And there was a little cinnamon on there. Oh, was that good? 
Blue Island Democratic Rep. Robert Rita, who's carrying the measure in the House, said the casino bill has been a discussion point of legislative working groups that are meeting through video conferencing. He says, quote, we're on top of that. All kinds of people are involved and interested in this. Well, I haven't met any. <laughs> By we're way, hanging around different people there, uh, Robert Rita. <laughs> Everybody, that's all they want to talk about. Let's talk about the gambling, the casino, which won't happen until this pandemic has passed. By the way, we're on a video conference talking about a casino. Don't lose that sight of that. Uh, one day we won't be in video conferences. We'll be able to have casinos. Oh, it says okay. here there are bigger question marks around other gaming issues, including video gaming and sports betting, Robert Rita says. He says you can't place bets when sports aren't being Whoa! <laughs> I tell you, he's right. Unless you're going to bet on, you know, what's well, the... it's funny you say that. And Ben, I've been betting uh, since sports have been away. I've been betting on uh, TV shows. In fact, I got a uh, bet going on on the TV uh, hit series, The Masked Singer. Uh, oh, I've seen that. I've seen the one. When yeah, they, I got 250 some... that The Masked Singer's Ice Cube. You always, That's your answer to everything. No, uh, but that's funny, Rita. It's, he has a, the man raises a good point, D. You can't bet on... Sports games, if there are no sports games to bet on. See, good point. All right. So, guys, don't worry. All four of you listening who was like, man, I hope I can gamble right now. Uh, that's coming soon. Yeah, coming soon to a casino uh, near you, which hasn't been built and won't be able to operate. But we're depending on the money from that casino to pay our bills. Okay. <laughs> So gambling's covered, and also uh, this comes from the Chicago Sun-Times, and one Tommy, two joints, oh, Shuba, yeah. smoking in the boys' room, Shuba. The, um, uh, uh, <laughs> amid the corona, uh, coronavirus... That's a song, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Who sings it? I think it's Poison. Uh, amid, uh, I think it's Ice Cube. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. It says here, amid the coronavirus pandemic, recreational pot sales tops $37 million in April. Uh, the total trails only the $39.2 million worth of adult-use cannabis unloaded by dispensaries in January, uh, the first month the drug was legalized for recreational use. Uh, it says here, okay, yeah, April's nearly $37.3 million in sales, trails only the $39.2 million worth of adult-use cannabis. Boy, Illinois, we got some potheads in this state. <laughs> Holy cow. A lot of people coming in from out of state, D. A oh. lot of people coming, a lot of cheeseheads from Wisconsin. You're right. You're right. You know, Wolverines or whatever they're called from Michigan. Yeah. Yep. I think it's a few of those Operation Gridlock people and, in line there, too. And I'm where just I'm, saying. And where I'm from, uh, Missouri. Get those uh, Missourians. All right, you're not from Missouri. But Don't give that out. Southern Illinois is so close to know, Missouri. But you're not fight. from Missouri, okay? Oh, wow, a little state hate here on the Ben Jarofsky show. <laughs> yeah, that's good. State hate. <laughs> not a fan of Missouri. All right, just saying. So, Ben, your thoughts here. Uh, pots, just uh, uh, sales are through the roof. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, people need reefer. Duh. By the way, great uh, conversation with Richard Wallace. I urge everybody, not now, but later, to check it out, talk about the inequities. Uh, we've legalized uh, marijuana, but once again, uh, you know, it's sort of like, well, okay, black people, we're going to throw you in jail for smoking when it's illegal, uh, but now we're going to cut you out of, you know, getting any piece of the pie now that it's legal uh, but yeah people love marijuana cannabis excuse me d i'm supposed to call it cannabis and they've been indulging in it forever and they will be indulging in it forever and the notion that it did something really bad to you that was like worse than what alcohol or cigarettes or gambling for that matter do to you is ridiculous and absurd 
Uh, so yeah, people are indulging like crazy. And if they can figure out a way to manufacture enough to meet the need, we're still having issues on that front, uh, there'll probably even more sales through the roof. It'll take a while before the, um, the, the legal sales overtake the illegal sales. It will happen. Uh, it happened with alcohol. But uh, yeah, it'll, uh, yeah, people love their reefer. All right. Uh, By the way, can I just say one more thing? It's KC, your show, dude. KC will be on the show. Kelly Cassidy, state rep Kelly Cassidy. Cut a deal with her yesterday. She booked her for... She's going to be one of our bonus guests. And she, of course, was one of the authors of the legalized reefer bill here in the state of Illinois. So looking forward to having that conversation. Oh, man, I love talking politics with Kelly Cassidy, one of the more uh, progressive state reps in the state of Illinois. Got a lot to talk with, with her about. So that'll be uh, this Thursday. Well, Ben, uh, since uh, Kelly Cassidy is uh, our go-to on uh, all things cannabis... Can this be the interview where you try a little cannabis and do the interview? Can, can oh, yeah. we finally do this? <laughs> no. And negatory. Uh, That'd be awesome. Uh, Kelly. Um, uh, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe not. Uh, um, uh, yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> Wow. Uh, wow. You being act, you being sober acting high is even weird. I can't even imagine you actually being high. It's been a while, but oh, man. Holy cow. I, that was weird, guys. Let's go to the live stream chat here before we move on. Coming up, by the way, our good friend, Maya G. And I have to talk about grades, but we'll go to the live stream first. He's going to talk about grades, guys. Don't worry. Uh, shout out to our good friend. It's Johnny Joe. Johnny Joe, let us know. Wait, hold on. Wait, hold on. Fred, it's Fred who let us know. Smoking in the boys' room, not poison. Brownsville Station. Wow, that's excellent. I think he writes a '70s song, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and Motley Crue covered it. That's why. I, that's the version I'm used to. Mm. And uh, all '80s hair metal it just kind of sounds the same to me. So, uh, but I think was it originally? Ask Fred. Was it originally a '70s song? I yeah, think yeah. It, Brownsville it Station. Okay. Oh, like I know Brownsville Station. Oh, the Motley Crue covered I it. I see, okay. Smoking in a bus room. <laughs> yes, uh, shout out to Brianna. You're right. She said, damn, that interview with Kelly Cassidy would be like seven hours long if Ben was stoned. <laughs> you, Brianna, you have no idea. Uh, Casey, um, oh, man. Uh, you know I call you Casey sometimes? <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> not a good idea, <laughs> not a, totally not a good idea. Oh, Fred's been listening since the beginning here. He gives a, he gives a little reference to the beginning of the show. He says maybe instead of a jail, Lori can put people in that orange porta potty outside and lock it up. <laughs> I think it's safer in the orange porta potty uh, than in jail. I don't know. You don't you don't have much porta potty experience. I, I, yeah, do I you? don't know. Well, it, that was the first guy I ever saw go in the uh, porta potty. <laughs> And he has the door open. Hey, let's talk while I'm in the porta potty. Uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> not a good idea to put people in jail. Uh, more people in jail. I know you're mad. You're frustrated. Maybe tow their cars. Maybe ticket them. Uh, and yeah. Ben, have you seen uh, the update on uh, the murder hornets? No. You haven't seen that? No. Oh, there's a new uh, a new hornets uh, in America now. Murder hornets. You've never seen this. No. This came out over the weekend. Uh, I'm pulling it up right now. I have I'm, no idea what you're talking well, about. Well, I have uh, the computer here, and I'll show it to you. Uh, look at this picture of this hornet right here. 
Look at this. Oh, my bad God. Boy. Yeah, yeah, that's our future. Uh, it says here from CBS <laughs> wow. News, uh, roughly two-inch-long insect known mm. as the, quote, murder hornet. Boy, we couldn't have changed that name before it came on over to our American news. The murder hornet has made its way to the U.S. for the first time ever, researcher says. The Asian giant hornet, uh, Vespa mandarinia, has been known to kill up to 50 people a year in Japan. This is according to the New York Times and has the potential to devastate U.S. bee populations. The murder hornet. Mm. That reminds me back in the day when I was a kid, I uh, got into my mind that uh, there was a uh, a killer moth. Like, there was a certain type of moth that could kill <laughs> Mom! <laughs> it's like, hey, Ma, the killer moth! Benny, moths can't kill... No! I don't know where I got this. Idea. Killer moth! Murder hornet! Also, you're saying the murder hornets uh, can't kill you? No, it just reminds me of the killer moth. <laughs> I didn't say that. I just said trying it reminded to get you me in trouble. I'm just trying to get you in trouble. All with right. Who? I'm already in trouble with who? Oh, more people. Bezos. Boom. There goes the advertising. Us. Uh, Lori Lightfoot's crowd. Boom. We. Ben. Okay. Who else? The MAGA hat crow. Guys, we always appreciate when you reach out to us, and we love reading your comments. So if you're on the live stream, please do that. Uh, also, you can reach out to us via email, bennyjshow at gmail.com, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J show at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram on those uh, handles as well, Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J show. And, guys, we have a phone number. Feel free to call us up and leave us a message if you would like. That number is 708. I almost have this number memorized. 708 658 Wait one second here. I got to pull it up here. Come on now. Settings. There we go. 708 658 4788. 708 658 4788. Triple J, Johnny Joe, we love you, but we're looking for more people to send us uh, voicemails as well. That'd be great. We love your Dr. Phil impression and Mr. Burns and all. But, uh, that was if, a good Mr. Burns. That was a very good, way better than yours. Well, that was unnecessary. Oh, that, that, I don't even think I have a Mr. Burns imitation. How about my Moira imitation? Yeah, do that. Again. <clears throat> Shit's Creek, guys. Take that knife out of my back and plunge it through my heart. That's correct. Okay. Okay. That's the sun. Okay. All right. Can, uh, the, can sun, I... the sun's way better. <laughs> okay. 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 Um, can I? Grades. Grades. This is really on my mind. Sometimes the Tribune, I, I would say we're going to do the Tribune sometimes contest, except I think I left my Tribune downstairs. Oh, well. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, it was that sandwich. I really <laughs> love that toast too much. Uh, so the headline in the Sun Times does CPS grading pass muster? Get it? Pass <laughs> uh, muster. And uh, Nader, it's a good article. I love mustard. Okay, not mustard, mustard. <laughs> Must her. But. Um, so the issue here is what grades to give children uh, for in Chicago public schools. And I've talked about this uh, a little briefly. I forget when, a couple of weeks ago, when this first emerged. But now both papers have big articles about the just the, CP, the bureaucrats at CPS wrestling with this issue. Like some kids are completing assignments over the Internet, or, but other kids are, uh, come from families that don't have computers, so they can't complete the assignments. Uh, so how do you give kids grades? Because you got to give kids grades. That's the exa- dude. Just you know what? We're in a pandemic. I don't 
Dee, I don't know. You got Lori like, I mean, talk about mixed messages. We're in a pandemic. Just give everybody an A. They're surviving. You know what I'm saying, D? It's like, just let it go. Now, when I mentioned this to Dennis earlier, yeah, yeah, uh, he, I'll tell you what. A? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, give everybody an A just for helping us. It maybe put a smile on someone's face. Or, you know, since there's people, this year isn't over. Yeah, there you may go. have gotten an A and done well, but there's some of these kids who may have had an F or a D or something, you know, and I say just let's everybody meet in the middle. Let's all get a C. <laughs> Well, Mr. Party there. Boom, right there in the middle. <laughs> hey, everybody, you're getting C's. <laughs> no, man. Who what? wants to go to Harvard? Yeah, Just take the C's. Give the kid, okay, the problem is, is like, yeah, so a kid through no fault of his own uh, can't complete his studies. So you give him a C, that may hurt his grade point average, his ability to get into a college he wants to. Give him an A. Boom, there, done. Take care of it. It's out the window. Why, I don't understand why this compulsion that bureaucrats have to like overthink everything it's just you know it's a once i hope it's a once in like a gazillion years yeah. problem we're yeah, having no here kidding. you know just give them an a all right and then spend the summer figuring out what you have to do to get schools open in september i don't know you may have to go to a situation d where only kids go to school who don't have computers? I don't. I don't. Greater minds than mine will figure this things out. I'm sure, but at the moment, just convoluted explanations of why you can't give. You know, trying to figure out how to come up with a grade that's fair. Just give everybody an A. You just said, well, some kids are getting F. They never got an A. Hey, for the first time in their life, they got an A. The kid could go, hey, I got straight A's. You know, that'd Wait, be a so nice you're saying say. that uh, you and me in this attic can't figure out uh, America's school system uh, during a pandemic? <laughs> you're saying we can't do that? Uh, I don't think so. Come on, man. Well, maybe if that guy in the porta potty helps us. Oh, there he comes again. There he goes. It's a different guy. Wash your hands. <laughs> There's no faucet in those things. Uh, yeah, I think between you, me, and that guy, we can figure it out. But just give him age right now. Good God. Every A's for everyone. A's were in. It's like, uh, it's like we're all we, they all went on Oprah. A's for you get an A and you get an yeah, A. Yeah, you go on Oprah show. I never heard say, I'm sorry, uh, you don't get a special present. You know, <laughs> Ellen, you're not getting the toaster oven because you have three absences. No, you show up, you get it. All you got to do, you know, all you got to do is be a student enrolled in the Chicago public schools. We're in a pandemic. You're getting an A. Ooh. Boom. Take care of the problem. My Duke Moffitt is coming up uh, after this break, but Ben, I'm going to throw a question at you right now. Uh -oh. This is going to be tough. This is going to be tough. Uh -oh. you had to, if you had to pick one, yeah. only one, uh -oh. who would you go with, Ellen or Oprah? Oh, Oprah. Oprah. Pick an I, Oprah. I, I, back in the 80s, I loved Oprah. All I right. love back. I thought that would be more of a difficult decision. No, Ellen. First of all, Ellen did something. I I can't remember what it was, but I found it irritating. Oh, hanging out with George Bush. <laughs> I, oh, that was really. Oh, get ready for Maya, ladies and gentlemen. She's about ready to go on one of her famous Maya riffs about George Bush. We'll get it up. Beautiful transition without any pre-show prep. There hey. you go. It would have been way more beautiful if you didn't call to it. But we'll be right back. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show, and we are live from Ben's. Attic. That's correct.
Shout out to Michael Girardi. You're the man. Thank you. Please keep the songs coming. If you're in a band or you make music or you know someone who makes music and is in a band and they would like to get their music played on the Ben Jarofsky show, we'll do it. Just let them know. BennyJShow at gmail.com. B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J-Show.com. Uh, it'd be real great if they didn't sue us. Okay, welcome yeah, back. No to, lawsuits. Okay. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from Ben's Attic. Yes, uh, Maya, you're wearing a super cool sweatshirt. It's like a cat on that sweatshirt. No, it's a building in Rochester, New York. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like of, a cat. Then. Yeah, it's not a cat. Uh, are we talking on uh, what, what, what mode are we using? Oh, who here? are we gonna bury today? It's Facebook Messenger. Oh, it's Facebook Messenger. Okay, uh, we've had some uh, uh, a variety of uh, sound quality, uh, Maya, uh, since we started doing these interviews over the phone. And um, so, anyway, I've become a fan. I, I can't believe I'm saying this of Zoom audio zoom audio best sound quality at least that we discovered all right my let's get down to business we've been talking we, i kind of been talking about uh the article that you wrote for the reader uh my beloved chicago reader our beloved chicago reader about uh conditions in the cook county jail and we've been talking to the, about them because of this notion that it might be a good idea uh to uh, lock up people who are having parties uh, in the middle of this uh, pandemic, I don't know that. I don't know if you know that that was a threat uh, that Mayor Lightfoot made, and I just don't believe, think that was a very good idea to put people in jail uh, at a time when we're trying to wondering about the health conditions for people who are in jail already. Put more people in jail. I, there's yeah, yeah. Let's 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 take some people who were just at a party with a hundred other people and then put them into a confined condition at the jail that's already one of the nation's largest hotspots for the spread of the virus. Yeah. Great that, idea. I, I thought that was, I, I understand, and I'm, I understand uh, Mayor Lightfoot's frustration. I'll say this again. Uh, and I'll get your thoughts about the snitch line thing. Uh, I just wrote that down. But uh, I just don't think that's a good idea to, uh, to throw people in jail uh, or even to threaten to throw people in jail uh, for... Uh, by... I mean, what is the expectation that people are not going to be doing stupid shit? This is a city of like nearly 3 million people. Like, of course, somebody's going to be doing something stupid. Of course, people are not going to be following these instructions. Like, like what is the expectation that like this won't happen? This kind of thing, of course, this kind of thing would happen. Maya, uh, <laughs> thank you. I mean, I just don't understand what is it about a pandemic crisis situation that uh, would make people believe that people are just going to stop doing stupid shit. Like, <laughs> this is not this is not how things work. No, I, I couldn't. Uh, we we were. You're set- not going to fix that. You're not. You, maybe maybe that maybe the way to fix that isn't to isn't to make more problems elsewhere. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that uh, that's well put. We were actually we uh, were saying something similar, but we didn't say it nearly as concisely and neatly as you did. Uh, yes, people are going to be doing stupid shit all the time, every time, including in a pandemic. Uh, Look at the Nazis protesting in the in, in downtown. Same shit. Like <laughs> it's just uh, it, this is this is this is just this is just like uh, this is. The, the, the protests, you know, the lockdown protesters and the people partying, it's the same stuff. Like, it's, it, you know, 
as a government, I suppose the best you can hope for is like, you know, more people complying than not, which clearly seems to have been the case so far. Um, and then, you know, it seems to me the, cit the citations are about the only reasonable thing to do in this kind of scenario. You know, I, I, you know, I don't know how much money they can squeeze out of people, uh, you know, or how, how they plan to go after them for that money. But at the end of the day, like, probably the best use of this kind of situation is to just, you know, use it to further, you know, further public education efforts about how people really shouldn't be doing this. But what can, what can you do? People are going to be doing this kind of stuff. Yeah, no, and, and all week long, last week, we were chronicling uh, various examples of people doing really dumb things. Uh, and not using their head in the middle of this pandemic, including the top of the list, the protesters in Wisconsin and Lansing and now in uh, downtown Chicago. You know, they're like defying it. I go, if we show up with sign with swastikas on signs, that'll show the COVID-19. You know, then we will. Or maybe they don't believe that you can actually get it. But you're right. Your, your point is uh, very well taken. Uh, you cannot outlaw people doing stupid shit even in a pandemic. Even when it's against uh, everybody's best interest, you could only hope that most people will follow uh, common sense. All right, let's talk about the situation in the county jail. Talk about your story that ran, was it last week, I want to say? I read I read it two days ago, so I don't know when it ran, but um, talk about... Uh, yeah, it's been online since, it's been online since last week, but people can catch it in this week's paper as well. Um, it's, uh, yeah, basically I just kind of did an overview of the situation at the jail. Um, there are now more than 900 cases, uh, of the, of, of COVID-19 associated with the jail amongst both, um, inmates and guards. Uh, seven people have died. And I, the thing that sort of, th there's been pretty regular reporting about this, obviously, but I, the thing I find is so interesting about this, um, crisis at the jail is that and you can correct me if i'm wrong or if you if you disagree with this analysis uh because obviously you've, you've been watching this stuff much longer but i feel like this is probably the first time like ever in tom dart's tenure that there's ever been like a real moment where the voices of the people in dart's custody are telling a story that's at stark odds with what dart is saying is happening and they are actually getting through like people are actually paying attention and and these stories are actually getting through the media and what's so remarkable about uh these dozens and dozens of accounts that have been you know collected at this point not just by myself but uh, a bunch of other uh, reporters and advocates who've been um kind of uh trying to uh raise awareness around the issue at the jail is that like the stories are remarkably consistent. And it, you know, once you start getting like dozens of accounts that basically line up pretty well with one another about how there's inadequate sanitation, people are still in dorm. I mean, I interviewed three people for that story directly. Um, one of them was a woman who was living in a dorm style uh, setting at the jail in a, in a tier with like 24 other people. It had been the tier had been uh, like something like more than 40 people, and they've moved half of the people elsewhere. But still, you 
they were in a chair with more than 20 people, surfaces are shared, beds are three feet apart, phones are shared, showers are shared, toilets are shared. Um, you know, pretty universally, the, the what the inmates are saying is that the, there's not adequate disinfection happening. Um, the masks that are, you know, being provided to inmates are uh, pe different. People in different parts of the jail have different stories about like how often they're getting the masks. Um, one of the things that I found so disturbing was that the testing was only happening. What the inmates kept saying is that they're only going to test you if you're running a high fever and no other symptoms that are associated with COVID are going to get you a test. And what, what was so crazy to me was that on in like March 23rd, I believe it was, let me just make sure I have the date correctly, but no, March 27th, um, Tom Dart and the head of the of the um, jail uh, hospital, which is technically under the Cook County Health and Hospital System, they both had a press conference with Tony Preckwinkle, and uh, they, the head of the jail hospital was saying that they're going to test everybody who's symptomatic, that they're testing everyone who's symptomatic, and that is clearly not what what what, what was happening in the weeks that ensued. Um, they weren't testing everyone who was symptomatic. They weren't testing everyone who had been in contact with somebody who had tested positive. And Dart had said that they were single selling everybody except for people who were, uh, you know, for mental health reasons, couldn't be left alone in a cell. But, um, you know, then it became clear that that wasn't the case either. There were lots of parts of the jail where there were still people to, to a cell. There were still dorm style facilities. So, um, you know, it's just, I think over the years, there have been plenty of instances where, like, someone sues Tom Dart or, you know, some some advocates gather a few testimonials of people who are experiencing a certain kind of, um, you know, ill treatment uh, in, in the Cook County Department of Corrections or whatever. And like always, I feel like Tom Dart has been able to always kind of have a, introduce enough, like I guess, plausible deniability into the picture, to sort of spin the narrative around what was happening and 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 work his PR machine in a way that made you introduce skepticism of the of the of the you know testimonials of people saying that there was something wrong, or to kind of discredit them in one way or another. And what's so remarkable about this moment is that there, I mean, there's like more than a dozen affidavits that were filed as part of a federal lawsuit. Journalists are gathering like tons of these stories from inmates, all kinds of inmates who aren't connected to one another. And, um, you know, it's just kind of remarkable to see, to see that have kind of, to, to, for that to ring louder than Tom Dart's PR machine. Well, the one uh, obvious difference now than in the past uh, is when there's stories that emerged, I don't know, 10 years or so ago, five years ago, whatever, uh, about conditions at county jail. I would say that many, many people uh, who are not in the jail don't care. You know, this is, uh, well, they don't care about people in jail. They, the assumption is they must have done something wrong to be in jail. So that's part of the the larger punishment and our lives are complicated enough. I, I don't have enough space in my life to care about somebody in jail. Uh, 
when we're in a pandemic, the reality is that uh, if a prisoner at Cook County Jail gets the virus, he or she can pass it once he's not a prisoner or she's not a prisoner at County Jail. So that may be a reason, Maya, at the moment, uh, that people feel a little more concerned about what's happening to inmates at the county. You know, I don't know if people, if like out there, people in the public who didn't already care about incarcerated people, I don't know if those people are caring more about it now. What I find interesting is that the voices of the people inside are getting just as much airtime as Tom Darkwood mm-hmm. about what's going on in there. Yeah. That's the, so as far as the, the this moment at least has I think changed the media's attitude towards those people. So, yeah. So what are the uh, the obstacles that uh, Dart is facing, and what more could be done to protect inmates and ultimately protect everybody? Because again, protecting guards, protecting anybody who works uh, in the facility, what more can be done? I mean. At- it's funny because when I asked that question, the the response I got was like very wishy-washy and like we're working hard and blah, 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 blah. Because I, I basically asked them directly, like, what do you guys need? Like, where are the bottlenecks what, to, to, to providing better care? Um, you know, is it an issue of like, why can't you put everyone in a single cell? Is it because there's just physically not enough space in your facility? Like what, you know, uh, and there wasn't, um, they, they didn't really get into specifics at all. Uh, but obviously I think especially early on, there was just the general dearth of testing, which made sense, right? That like that nobody was able to get a test. Um, as far as, uh, you know, personal protective equipment there, again, like Dart hasn't said like, you know, we need like this many masks or gloves and we're not getting them. And like, here's how, here's like what could be helpful for that. Um, so I don't know, it's hard to say, but I do think it's also interesting that this crisis has made it clear that it's possible to have like way fewer people at the jail because apparently there's plenty of people that can be released and have been. The jail population is like the lowest it's ever been. So, you know, this should be, this should, this should it's, it's, it's an interesting demonstration of the fact that like, you know, may, maybe we don't need to have like thousands of people incarcerated when, you know, while they were waiting on a trial uh, to face accusations of having done something wrong. Do you think that there's a possibility? And I, as this question emerges, I almost think, oh my God, Ben, you're sounding naive, but there's a, a possibility that one uh, impact of this, um, this pandemic is that people will reconsider all our notions of criminal justice and our, to, you know, the notion that we have to be punitive. Uh, I mean, I'm seeing a reconsideration, let's say, on, uh, on, on marijuana-related crimes. Well, it's legal now. Uh, but so many people are thrown into jail uh, and put into the system, Maya, uh, over the last uh, 20 years because they were possessing a reefer, which is illegal. So now we're not presumably going to do that. Do you think we're going to have reconsideration of, of bonding? And if you, you know, being stuck in jail because you can't meet, uh, a, 
your, your bail obligations. Do you think this is going to cause uh, reconsideration, or do you think once we get past this, it'll be business as usual? Well, I think it's possible, but I think that the thing that's going to make this um, uh, de-car- I guess like decarceration more feasible uh, is that like what we're going to see on the other side of this, you can't forget that what we're going to see on the other side of this is going to be like a massive local government financing crisis. Like I just saw a figure somewhere floating around on the internet about how, uh, you know, corporate taxes and payroll t- and, and, and income taxes are like obviously plummeting because so many people have lost their jobs. I mean, you know, the estimates are that more than 40 million people in this country are unemployed now. So uh, local government is mostly funded through property taxes, but also through, you know, um, appropriations from federal and state government, which mostly come from income taxes. So um, I wonder if on the other side of this, the issue is going to be less about are we going to be in the mood to reestablish our former pattern of, of, of kind of mass incarceration and pretrial detention? And that the instead the issue might be more that uh, we're just not going to have the money to maintain such a vast, sprawling, such a vast and sprawling kind of carceral ran- landscape of, the, of like a, to have a jail that has 10,000 people in it. Yeah. Like we just won't be able to afford it. Although historically, I mean, historically, uh, the kind of prison industrial complex, whatever you want to call it, uh, has has been able to get its money when it needs it. So um, I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have to see. And the the other other speaking point will be about, obviously, the the possible loss of of jobs in the sector. So, like, what are the, you know, what are, what are, What's the, what are the teamsters going to do who represent the guards at the jail if there's a possibility of, like, having to lose a bunch of jobs there because of budget cuts? Like, you know, this is all – it's all kind of complicated. It's more than just about, like, are we willing to incarcerate less? And 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 it's less about that and more about, like, what are the various intersections of, like, political and financial interests who benefit from incarceration? Um and um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say, but I think that the that the the kind of fiscal crisis that's going to be looming for our local government um, is going to play a big role in this. Well, I remember very early discussions, uh, interviews with Tony Perkwinkle, Cook County Board President Tony Perkwinkle. Uh, back this is like 2010, 2011, when she was first talking about the need to uh, decriminalize marijuana. And she was saying that perhaps the best way to uh, sell it to the public is to talk about the money that they would save in terms of locking people up. In other words, you're not going to get people to uh, (laughs) uh, join a movement to decriminalize marijuana just because it's unfair to black people. You you get you understand what I'm saying? That that's not going to motivate suburbanites to care about this issue. 
That's why I said earlier, nobody cared about the issue of people in jail until it might affect them. But you could get them to care about it if you could say, hey, you know, uh, we have this tremendous problem of figuring out how to pay our bills. And so this is one way to cut expenses. So anyway, that's a, by the way, next, if we ever, whenever we get another first Tuesday, which will happen sooner or later, we definitely have to do one on the budget and all the implications uh, that were of this uh, pandemic and how it's going to impact uh, taxes and revenue. And uh, we were just talking earlier, it's uh, Lori, Mayor Lori Lightfoot is uh, uh, telling everybody that uh, the casino is back on the agenda. And I was sort of laughing at the notion that of depending on a casino anytime soon, you know, people coming into a casino anytime soon uh, is a little far-fetched, but apparently that's they're still thinking about that. Uh, to to help with the bills. All right, let's talk about this classic Maya tweet that went out uh, yesterday or the day before and uh, had me cheering when I saw it. And I'm not a big follower of Twitter, but I don't know how I found. I was doing a link to your article uh, for my reader newsletter. I link every Maya article. I link, uh, and I saw this tweet. I was cracking up about it. Here uh, has been an excitement. Yay for our teachers! <laughs> Yay for our teachers! <laughs> one more time thank goodness bruce ronner is not our governor at this moment um all right uh so maya talk about your bush tweet there was a lot of love for president bush boy the bar is low these days uh and you felt compelled to set the record straight go ahead really low uh and it's really even sad that there that there needs to be some kind of record you know setting of a setting the record straight process here because it's just, it's just shocking to me that people would uh, kind of forget. Uh, but you know, for those who might not have noticed, George W. Bush, you know, popped out of his bathtub or wherever he is at his ranch painting normally, and did this like video where he's just it's like encouraging the nation to stick together in this hard time and like mentioning 9-11 and there's just like this kind of like fly fly like you know kind of like shoehorning of like an Iraq and Afghanistan war apology in there it's like a, it's, it's I mean not an apology in the sense of that he's sorry for it but sort of like justification of it um and yeah this was like making the round this was sort of like the moment when like the the, the when he gave Michelle Obama a mint at a funeral or something like that and everybody was just like so excited so i mean i all i tweeted was just that uh the george w bush nostalgia needs to be beaten back into the sewer where it belongs right next to a bunch of other bullshit from the early 2000s like <laughs> um you know the south beach diet and lip strong bracelets and welfare reform and neocon never trumpism which is another trend that i that i hate to see um but um yeah i just i don't know i don't know i don't know who the target audience is i guess maybe the same people who are rallying to reopen to reopen illinois and uh and uh i don't know maybe it's people who are excited to vote for joe biden i don't know i don't know who that's supposed to be for but it's like definitely for some for, for someone who may have been asleep between like 2001 and 2008 yeah well george bush uh, gives a bad name to 
I, they never had a good name with me, but mainstream Republicans, the, the Republicans who were uh, trying to rally around Jeb Bush in 2016 until uh, Donald Trump stole the party from them and now owns the party. And so every now and then you'll see uh, like a George Bush Republican. Well, there's more, a few of them have access to the media. So they'll get out there and they'll talk about Trump like he's an abomination uh, who has departed from what Republicans believe in. And how could you, how could you defend yeah, that point like of view? Because Carl Rove. Yeah, exactly. Carl Rove. Two wars. So at first I was really almost reluctant to, to call Donald Trump the worst president we ever had because George W. Bush, my memory of him and his presidency and the way he took 9-11 and turned it into two wars, I, I was hard-pressed to say that Donald Trump had done anything that bad. You know what I mean? To, to warrant being the worst, even the worst president of this century, let alone the worst of my lifetime. Uh, but since then, Donald Trump is... You know, he's he's making letting me forget about George Bush. Yeah, but the nostalgia for George Bush is is very hard to take, and and it and does uh, alleviate him of the necessity to. You were getting at this, Maya, to just confront uh, the uh, consequences of his wars and his policies. You know what I'm saying? So to pretend as though he did the right thing for America. It keeps him. Yeah, around. I mean, there are still, there are still. Look, okay, this was actually, this was uh, the cover of the New York Times magazine, not this week, but the week before. Is literally Afghanistan's next war. This is about how the pandemic is affecting Afghanistan, which is like, like totally destroyed, in great part because of fucking George W. Bush. And what and what people are dealing with in this in in like this country that there's still an American military presence there. There's no political stability. There's like no the, the presence of the United States has arguably only made all of their problems worse. So you know it's just like what like I yeah like I just reiterate that the, I, I I feel like the only people who might be interested in this George W. Bush nostalgia are like people who maybe just were asleep. For about eight years. Yeah. Well, it's also a narrative that's being put out to justify, to try to win over Republican voters to get them to vote for Joe Biden. Uh, that somehow or other Donald Trump is a deviation from the type of mainstream Republicanism that Bush symbolizes. Because Donald Trump doesn't even, tr doesn't even pretend to care you know, George Bush and his dad talked about compassionate conservatism, that kind of thing. What was it, a million points of light, whatever the old man's saying was. And Donald Trump doesn't even pretend to care about that. So I think that's an attempt to resurrect that narrative to help Joe Biden. Uh, that's about that's about it. But yeah, you're right. When, when uh, Michelle Obama shared that mint with George Bush, just like centrists were cheering, and oh, this is the way it should be. And I'm like... Why? I mean, the country was so relieved when George Bush was finally out of the White House. People forget that. You know, it was, many people were just as relieved by that as they were elated with uh, Barack Obama's ascension. Uh, by the way, we'll close with this. I didn't, uh, I'm just, your, your thoughts. I haven't talked to you in a while. At various times you've come on the show, we've talked about the uh, Democratic primary. 
You were, as I recall, never a huge flag waver uh, for Joe Biden, to put it mildly. Um, what's your general thoughts about uh, Joe Biden's campaign these days? Are you riding with Biden? No. No, I'm not riding. I'm not riding with Biden. I'm not riding with anyone, first of all, as, as you know. Oh, wait. And, I uh, She's a I'm, journalist. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, that's correct. But, but I'm, I'm sure as shit not riding with Biden. What, where? From one room in his basement to another? Like, he's not riding anywhere. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah. She's not riding with Biden, ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget... Maya is never going to tell you how she votes because she's a working journalist uh, in the city of Chicago. Speaking of which, uh, you got anything great you want to promote or tease people about what you're working on? Um, I'll have a little update this week, uh, probably um, about um, uh, the situation with the COVID-19 outbreak at uh, local homeless shelters. Also, I want to encourage everyone to listen to this amazing new podcast um, called Somebody. It was put together by, it was produced by um, Bill Healy and Allison Flowers uh, and published by the Invisible Institute and, and The Intercept. But it's about, it, it's really a podcast that centers on the story of, um, in 2016, a young black man was shot uh, in front of a police station in Belmont Cragen on the Northwest side and uh, his mother had been trying for years to get some answers about like what happened to her son. And at first the thought was that maybe the cops had killed him. And then I guess uh, there was more evidence that it was some kind of gang related shooting where the, the, the kid was mistakenly identified as somebody else. But what, what is so interesting about the podcast is that, um, it's a really unusual kind of first, like the, 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 the kid's mom, uh, is narrating the whole thing and sort of leading the investigation. And you really get to experience the story from her perspective. And I think as much as we have heard, like so many of these tragic stories of, of, um, you know, young black men in Chicago losing lives mm -hmm. to, uh, the police, or, uh, because of street violence. Um, what we don't really get to see often is what it's like for their families to try to get some kind of answers from the authorities about these murders. And what is a murder investigation like to experience if you're, if you're a loved one of someone who's, who's, who's died? And the podcast is like just the, 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 how little, how little this woman gets from the Chicago Police Department in terms of like, any kind of investigative effort in terms of courtesy, in terms of compassion, is really mind-blowing. And I think so many families in the city experience law enforcement in this way, even if they're, even if it's not an issue of, like, actually getting brutalized by the cops. But, you know, even when you turn to the police department to help you with the thing that they are supposedly there for, which is to solve a crime, um, the the this podcast really shows like how difficult that is to actually, you know, to, how, how difficult it is to get that basic, that service from this, from this institution that's meant to do that work. So some, it's called, the podcast is called somebody um, it's on, you know, all the podcast platforms and I really highly recommend it. And um, 
yeah, that's kind of what's been new in my world. Okay, very, very good. Maya, thanks so much for taking time to talk to us. And uh, can't wait to, like I said, Dennis and I were talking, we're hoping June we're back in the studio, we'll all be wearing masks and uh, go back to a little bit of a routine. But uh, anyway, stay safe. All right, Maya? You too. All right. Uh, uh, Maya talking about a uh, podcast, Somebody, and uh, her stories, you can find them at the Chicago Reader. Uh, some good stuff she's done on Cook County Jail, the overcrowded conditions there. Uh, and uh, she's not riding with Biden, D. Uh, big surprise there. Hmm. Boy, <laughs> shocking. <laughs> but she's not going to tell you how she voted, okay? Because she's a journalist and a line has to be drawn. Well, uh, rumor has it. I don't know. Uh, maybe the live stream chat can confirm it. But uh, I believe uh, old Jesse Ventura is running for president. You want to get on the JV team, no. huh? Uh, it's a conspiracy Minnesota. Uh, and also, um, the uh, former congressman in Michigan is running. I'm blanking on his name right now. Frank can tell me it. Uh, he's the one uh, uh, Republican who stood up to uh, Trump. Uh, and then he's, of course, left the Republican Party. So who knows? Will Jesse Ventura, here, I have a question for you, young Dennis. Will Jesse Ventura's campaign, if he actually does run and get on the ballot, will it take more votes from uh, Joe Biden? Or more votes from Donald Trump? Ooh. Young Dennis, go. I would say more votes from Donald Trump. Wrestling fans. Jesse Ventura, former wrestler. Donald Trump, former WWE Hall of Famer. Oh, boy, I can see. Yeah, I... Uh, I Minnesota. I'd say take more votes for... Uh, JV team. Uh, for Trump. Yeah, I... Any, any uh, left-of-center vote that Jesse Ventura gets would be a left-to-center vote that would never, ever, ever vote for Joe Biden. <laughs> you know, D, I got to give lessons to the Democrats about... Uh, uh, by the way, can I just we'll close with this? My beloved Democrats, you know, I struggle with my... The Sun-Times had a, a, a column to the uh, editorial today, which I vehemently disagreed with this one point. They were... they were. It was one of these attempts to try show a pox in both houses. So a, a false equivalency is set up between... Those insane protesters, the MAGA hat crew with their swastikas and lefties, legitimate lefties who are out there trying to uh, get Lori Lightfoot and J.B. Pritzker to uh, adopt and enact some renter protection. Yeah, so there's a false On the right, you got these guys with Nazi signs. And then on the left, you got these guys wanting protection for renters. How is that an equivalency? How is standing up for the rights of renters in a pandemic the same as standing on a corner with a swastika? De Dennis, please explain that to me. So, you know, when I, I just think about that, I'm going to put this out there to all my friends of the Dem persuasion. If you want to win over lefties, to get them to vote for Joe Biden. It might be a good idea not to set up a false equivalency with Nazis. <laughs> Just saying, okay? You want to win over the lefties? Don't, you know, kind of compare them to the MAGA hat crowd with their swastikas. Oh, God, there's so many lessons I got to teach these Dems.
About dealing with lefties, D. Well, we're going to be talking to one uh, here in a few minutes, old Daniel Espada, Alderman. Oh, Maybe yeah. you can teach him some lessons. I don't know. Oh, he, uh, he doesn't need He's already a lefty. Uh. Everybody, be sure that's going to be available for download, all right? A lot of people on the live stream chat are wondering, hey, where's that second part of the show? It, well, it's download only, guys. We really encourage that you go subscribe to the show and go download. So uh, part two of today's show with Alderman Daniel Espada is going to be uh, happening. Ben, what are you going to be talking talking about with Daniel uh, we'll be talking about the protest uh, he was at he was at a counter protest we're going to be talking about the vote that took place in the city council on uh, giving the mayor more power his proposal to use TIF funds uh, to help fight the the virus uh, the, the COVID-19 so lots of local and national political stuff and I want to say Frank just texted me the man knows absolutely Frank. everything and uh, God bless you, Frank. Justin uh, Amash or Amash is still in Congress, and that's the Congress from Michigan who uh, is talking Frank. about running against Donald Trump. Frank, if something like if I ever get hit by a bus or something, dude, you <laughs> can you can fill right in, man. You do a great job. You're you're awesome. You'd be an excellent producer of a podcast. Just Defin- saying. Definitely, when we uh, get back in the studio, bring him back on, Sh- on the show. Shout out to our good friend Brent on the live stream chat. Right on time, Brent, especially right before we were about to jump off here. Brent just puts, still not voting for Biden. <laughs> oh, Ben spit out his water there. That was a spit uh, take. It's, you know, it's early. He may win you over. <laughs> he, he may win you over. He's still got six months to be won over by Biden. So. Seriously, though, go check. It's Chicago Sun-Times, <laughs> Chicago Reader websites, and wherever else you download your favorite podcasts, all right? It's our part two. We do that every day, and we still have bonus content there as well. I'm just going to say it. We're the hardest working podcast in America, damn it. That's correct. I'm with you 100% on that one. <laughs> we, we really appreciate everybody. Thanks for everybody on the live stream chat. And um, we'll, we'll, we'll end today's show with... Um, Michael Girardi and uh, his track. All right, we will do that. Thank you, Maya. And thank you, of course, the man, myth, the legend, pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. Without him, we couldn't do this show. And yo, as Maya will tell you, as Frank will tell you, as Justin Amash will tell you. None of those people would tell me this. And as even those knuckleheads with the Nazi flags will tell you back home at Alton, they call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take another petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. shut you down we will cite you and if we need to we will arrest you and we will take you to jail <laughs>